Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. And we're back to the rest of the sermon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Nikki, yes. how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Pastor Jason? I'm tired, man, but I'm here. Sleepy. You played some ball this morning, man. I did, man. I'm just getting more and more out of shape, it feels like. Are so. you a three-pointer guy? You're tall enough for it. No. No? No, not at all. Not Do you that? hit the layups? That's where I really come, become judgmental. If you can't make a layup. I mean, I... I'm trying to get it wherever I can. Well, <laughs> I'm judgmental as someone who judges all professional NBA players. Like, you can't even make a layup who can't run down the court by herself. I'm so. just glad to myself to, that I knew what a three-pointer was. There you go. I'm just glad to be healthy enough to be out there to play. There so you there you go. Good deal. Well, we are continuing through our series of Memento Mori. Um, remember your death. Yep. And we spent the first couple of weeks looking at some... Of the darker themes in this passage, we are in the season of Lent, so we're kind of joining that uh, through the church calendar and reflecting on what the cost is of our sin and what it did to Jesus and the realities of what comes after our bodily lives here on earth. And we spent some time in that, what's hell and what hell look like and all of that stuff, and then we're, now we're moving into heaven. We're talking a little bit about heaven, which we did on Sunday, which was amazing. I'm going to read from Luke 23, 32 through 43, and then we will just kind of dive right in. Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by, watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged who were hanged, sorry, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Thanks be to God for his word. Mm-hmm. Paradise. Paradise and heaven. What are what are those? What's yeah. the difference? We actually got a few questions sent in this week. One of them, I'm going to ask them out of order. The second one is, if we are with Jesus when we die, and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, would we not be in heaven, referencing this passage, because Jesus says paradise. I've always thought of paradise and heaven as being synonymous with one another, mm. but is Jesus both in paradise and and heaven, or are those separate? Yeah, it's a good question, and and the answer is yes. <laughs> but here's what I mean by that. And so um, we said the big idea Sunday was when a believer exits this life, they immediately enter into the presence of Jesus, okay? So the week before, we talked about unbelievers, and from this passage, I think by far the the big idea and the thrust is verse 43, truly, truly, I say unto you, 
today you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. Um, the word paradise is sort of walled garden, which yeah. is kind of like the understanding of Eden. And so to answer the question directly, what we are talking about is a very particular thing. It's called the intermediate state, Yeah. okay? And as a definition, uh, the intermediate state is that period of time at, at a believer's death and their immediate entrance into the presence of the Lord. Now, notice that that didn't say heaven, but it said the presence of the Lord. Yeah. And the resurrection of the body at the time of Christ's return. When Jesus raises from the dead, raises the dead on the last day, disembodied souls are reunited with their bodies, made imperishable as the preparation to dwell for all eternity in the new heaven yeah. and new earth. Yeah. So to answer the question, yes, it is fine to say that Jesus is in heaven as we understand it. That's sort of a synonym yeah. of paradise and those being the same thing. Where people get confused is the streets of gold in Revelation 21 and 22. Right. That is the new heaven and new earth. Yeah. So you don't go there when you die. Jesus is not even there right now. Yeah. He's bringing and ushering that in when he returns for the final judgment. So yes, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, yeah. but basically the big idea is, is that when you die, you go to be with Jesus in yeah. a place that's called paradise or heaven, yeah. but it's not the new heaven yeah. and the new earth. And the good news about that is, is Jesus is there, yeah. and it's great, yeah. and that's yeah. about it. That's yeah. about all we've got, that's you know. Good. So that's good. I like that. We don't go there. That comes down. That comes here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's really, really good. Well, the other, the other part to this question that was sent in uh, was, will it be tangible? Mm. If we're so yeah. we're, we're talking like senses now, good. like sight, sound, smell, touch, yep. all of that stuff. If we're in par- if we're in paradise, are we walking, touching, yeah. singing? This is is it a spiritual realm or is it physical? Like, see, this is what I really like. Okay, so this is a really in particular question that is a systematic theology question. Yeah. So, what we know is that right now our soul goes to be with Jesus. Yeah. And our body is buried in hopes of the resurrection. Yeah. The new heaven and the new earth will be a tangible experience. And we know that from Jesus's physical resurrection. Yeah. So one of the things that's important for us is we believe that's a close-handed issue is that Jesus physically rose from the grave. Well, yeah. how do you know that? Well, he asked Thomas to touch his side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He ate fish and chips with his disciples. Yeah. But he also passed through a door. <laughs> can we talk about that for a so, second? So if you, can reconcile, if you can reconcile those two things, yeah. it is a glorified sort of body. Yeah. I think as of right now, if you die and go be with Jesus, you are conscious, yeah. but it is not as physical as the new heaven and new earth because you are waiting to be reunited with your body yeah. and to come down for the new heaven and new earth. Yeah. So again, I, I feel like this whole series has been us learning about the distinguishing yeah. between the new heaven and the new earth and the intermediate state. Right now, if you die, your soul, Ecclesiastes 12, 7, goes to be with God and yeah. your body is buried. That is conscious, 
We learn that from Luke chapter 16 in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. It is conscious where you are. You are aware. You have your personality. You are with Jesus. But in the new heavens and new earth, you will have a new body, as 1 Corinthians 15 talks about, and as we see as Jesus' physical resurrection. So these are great, great questions because... There are little hints in particular Bible verses that we can see sort of peaks behind the curtain on, which yeah, is great. That's good. Nick, you said you had something in, kind I of do, in, in tune with that. Yeah, in tune with Lazarus and the rich man. So I was asked, when the rich man is speaking to Abraham, he knows Abraham. He knows what's happening. He's very aware. He's trying to convince Abraham, send someone to go talk to my brothers. Yep. Lazarus is there with him. Mm-hmm. And the question was posed this way. I fully believe that the rich man seeing up to Lazarus and Abraham would be another element of torture mm. in a Hades. Sure. Would that not lessen paradise or heaven? Um, heaven was the word they used. Would that not lessen it from Lazarus and Abraham's standpoint of being there looking down? Mm. That's a good question. So in the text, we very clearly see that the rich man is in a torturous state because he can see the pleasure that Lazarus has. Nowhere in the text does the poor man, Lazarus, ever speak when he's in Abraham's side. We see no interaction that those there can cross over and interact here. And again, this is the difficulty in the parable. Jesus is saying there's a chasm Mm -hmm. that divides both of them and that Abraham is speaking, but it's also Jesus kind of using Abraham as a parable to teach that aspect. Uh, We don't really see anywhere in the aspect that we could see in heaven what's going on in hell Mm. in that sense. Mm. Um, One of the things I, and again, this is a gray area, I do think that there is some sort of hints about angels being aware of what's going on on earth because God is telling them. And so there might be some insight in heaven as to what's going on on earth, maybe. I don't know. We just kind of see some hints. But nowhere in Scripture do we see that those in heaven are aware of what is happening down in hell in that sense. I think that's a great way to answer that. And I think that has been something. um, I just had lunch with a friend from church, and she said, I never thought of heaven and hell. I've read these verses. This is nothing new to me. I've never thought of it in this way or asked Mm, these questions. It's very clarifying. When someone says heaven, we think of it as a very broad term. Sure. And breaking that those distinctions down, I think, are very necessary. Yeah. If Jesus talks about it, we need to pay attention. It's important. Absolutely. And I, I just want to lead in one of the quotes that I said Sunday comes from William Barclay. And it says, for the Christian, heaven is where Jesus is. And we do not need to speculate on what heaven will be like. It is enough to know that we will be forever with him. Yeah. And I think that's the mark of discipleship. Yeah. I think the distinction is, hey, it's like kind of a cherry on top of an ice cream sundae when we get the description of heaven. But the Sunday is that we're with Jesus forever. Yeah. And that's really, really good news, you know. Yeah. So no, that's really good. I want to go back and talk about our bodies again mm. in, in heaven. So in Genesis, male and female in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. 
And we have a passage in Matthew where Jesus is speaking, and he says, in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, yep. but are like angels in heaven. What is going on there? If God created us in his image and likeness, and we see male and female and reproduction going on, the new heavens and the new earth and our new bodies, is God making a new plan for us being made in his image? Or, I mean... Yeah. Uh, yeah, all those parallels. Like, what's going on there? I heard a scholar say one time, the most important word in Revelation is the word like, because John uses it the most. And what John is doing is he is comparing what he's seeing in an earthly way. And so I use that when Jesus says that they will be like right. angels. He doesn't say that we become angels. Yeah. I think what is about that is there's an eternal aspect. Angels are eternal. Yeah. We will be eternal. Um, there is no marriage in heaven because ultimately we're it's the final marriage supper of the Lamb. And so, um, but I still think we'll be able to recognize and know. I mean, even you know when it comes to genders and stuff like that, I think those things will still exist yeah. because it's still the fullest representation. So the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, we see through a glass dimly yeah. now, but then we will fully see face to face. So I think in that moment, whatever it is to be perfectly male and female in the way that Adam and Eve perfectly reflected God is what the new heaven and new earth will be like. Yeah. And again, this story is going back to Eden. Right. God is taking this whole story back to his original creation. Yeah. And so I think those first two chapters probably give us the most insight mm-hmm. yeah. as to what that's going to be like. I mean, we'll work, we'll do all of those things just like it was in the beginning. Yeah. No, that's good. And it, it seems like even in the passage in Luke 16 that Lazarus is still kind of referred to as a man sure. mm-hmm. um, throughout that context, which is really, really cool. Sure. You broke down heaven as an acronym, um, H for home. It's what we were made for. This is not our home. From John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In verse 2, in my Father's house are many rooms. And he goes on, if it were not so, what I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And if mm-hmm. I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll take you to myself. Are there literal rooms? Like, <laughs> right. like I've, I've, sure. a big I've apartment heard complex. Yeah, like, well, it's a big, big house. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yes, like, well, is we can that a play thing? football. Because I've heard different arguments of like, well, this is more of the attitude of God's heart showing that he has a place for those he loves yeah. and, uh, versus like a physical place or that it's a literal, like, I, yeah. It yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an apartment complex. It's a mansion complex. We've yeah. all got like what's that all about? Yeah, I think number one, the word that Jesus uses here is a temporary place, which yeah. I think is very important to understand. Or um, in his father's house. In his father's rooms. house right now in John 14. So I would think of it as again. I think Jesus is speaking more to the intermediate state of where I'm going, I'm going to be with God and you are going to be with me and I'm preparing a place for you. We also see that with by Abraham's side. The reason why Lazarus is by Abraham's side is a guest of honor. Mm -hmm. John sat next to Jesus at the Last Supper by his side as a place of honor. So I think what Jesus is saying, number one, to the disciples is, you will be guests of honor where I'm going and I'm preparing a place for you. Um, I think in the new heaven and new earth, it's going to be really cool because we hear about rewards and we hear about mansions and we hear about stuff like that. I do think God is using 
um, earthly illustrations to prove a heavenly point. Yeah. But I also don't want to overlook the physicality of the new heaven and new earth. It's going to, I mean, like this table, it's going to be real. It's going to be tangible. And so, yes, I think in the new heaven and new earth, there's going to be, it's a city coming down from heaven onto earth. It's going to be like the perfect city. And so right now, yeah, man, I think there's rooms. I think whatever it is, it's kind of like that peek behind the curtain as to what's yeah. going on there. Yeah, well, I, that's something that I was wondering about this week, and I've talked with friends about it in the past, of where we will physically spend eternity. Mm-hmm. If it's in heaven, paradise, or physically on the new earth. Yeah. And I'm talking about this a little bit next week of what we'll be doing in heaven, but or what we'll be doing on the new earth or in heaven in God's presence by the side of Jesus. Do we have any kind of tangible... I mean, I know that we're given descriptions of streets and the city descending sure. and and all of these representations that John can muster up in Revelation about how things look like sapphires and crystals and yeah. things are clear so you can see Jesus and the light. There's no need for electricity because light is God is their light. Yeah. Like the new earth. Can we talk about that for a minute? Or because Absolutely. One thing that I had in mind that I was going to originally ask, like in creation, God put Adam in the garden to work it and to keep it. Yep. Like, will work be something that we participate in? Is yeah. there is there going to be labor in a positive sense? Yeah, for sure. So yeah. Revelation 21 verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven yeah. and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, yeah. and the sea was no more. In Jewish understanding, the sea was bad because it was, like, uncontrollable. And here it is. I saw the holy city, yeah. New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven for God. So behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be my people. So yes, the new heaven and new earth will be this physical location, this earth. But as in first Peter, this earth will be purified. It will be made new again. And then the new heaven and new earth will come down out of heaven. And then it will be this city of Eden again here on earth. That's why there's also, and I'm not getting political or this, that, or the other, but that's why we're called to steward the earth. Mm -hmm. That's a big reason as to why God has told us to steward this place. Because this is also going to be the place where we spend eternity. Now, there's also some trains of thoughts that say this is going to get burned up with fire and it's just going to be purified so you don't have to worry about it. I think that's an escapist mentality. And I think that abdicates all responsibility from you as an individual and abdicates it on God and says, well, God's going to do away with it, so what does it matter? We do not have that mindset in any other area of our life. You don't go, well, my money's going to work itself out because it's God's money, right? (laughs) Yeah, you're counting your money. Yeah. And so to answer it directly, I believe this place will be the new heaven and new earth, and it will be perfect in a way, like I said this Sunday, go to the most beautiful place on the planet you've ever been where you felt real small. It took God six days. Right. And God and and Jesus is saying that he's preparing this city and doing this to come down. So this is going to be a pretty incredible place. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. Um, secondly, as it comes to work, yes, yeah. we will have a purpose. What we need to understand is the hints of pleasure in relationships that we have here and now are hints to point us to what our ultimate dwelling is going to be. So C.S. Lewis says that if I have these desires in my heart, 
and I can't fulfill them on this earth now, then it means that I'm made for something else. And so again, I think those first two chapters of Genesis are very important for our theology as to what this new heaven and new earth is going to be like. That's really good. And we'll be there forever. Ever. How long is eternity? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. That's a yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Purple. Well, here's a question bouncing off that passage in Revelation 21, because it says that God himself will dwell with us. He'll wipe our tears away. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no pain or crying. And so with that, I have a two-part question. Number one, does that mean that we will never experience any kind of sorrow or empathy for things that are broken in the past or those that we know that are lost? And then the other part is, will we be able to sin in heaven? Will there be an ability to make a choice to disobey and to go around God and be God and a new fall and all of that? Mm. And I've got more parts to that for that second question. But, sure. but yeah, will we ever experience sorrow or empathy for things that are past broken or anything like that? Yeah, um, I'm going to answer I don't know, Yeah, but here's what I do know. I know the only imperfect thing in heaven are the scars on Jesus' hands mm. and the sword in his side. He has that. Yeah. And we'll always be able to see that. So I think there will be some sort of reference that we will know of the lamb slain and yeah. the cross and that our debt and that. Yeah. As it pertains to anything else, I have no scriptural insight yeah. as to understand that. But I do know that we will be able to see the scars on his hands, his feet, and his side, which means that we will be reminded for all of eternity of the cross of Christ, which has to mean that we would know that we were in a fallen state and that God saved us. That's the only scriptural insight that I really have in regards to that. Yeah, that to me sounds like, uh, this is a really poor illustration, but it's the closest thing I can come to to even close to it. But anyways, the uh, it, almost like a family reconciliation, like where there's been immense pain cast from one family member to another, and then forgiveness is offered, and you live the rest of your life together mm. in joy together. Mm. Like you look at that, and you know there was pain in the past, but things have moved forward. And yeah. I'm I kind of liken that to that, but it, that's an imperfect version. Well, and, no, but but, yeah. but also leading up to that point, we also have to remember that complete justice has happened. Yeah. There are no more wrongs anymore. Right. Jesus has literally judged the nations yeah. with a bloody robe and a sword out of his mouth. <laughs> so I would ask the question, would we even have a need right. to recall those things because literally they've been satisfied? So anyway, yeah. that's really interesting. Your second question. Yeah, the free will, like, the yeah. sin, will we be able to sin? This idea of free yeah. will. I had a conversation with a friend years ago, um, yeah. and uh, he was basically like, well, like, you're basically transformed. Like, the Bible, if I go by what the Bible says, then you're transformed into this perfect being, and you have no desire to fulfill any kind of need that is selfish mm. or anything. And so you will no longer have free will. Mm. Will we have, and I know that this is a, you could have a whole podcast just right? on this question yeah. of free will, but will we be able to sin? Will we have a, a, yeah. a will to be able to do that or even the desire to do I that? I need to be careful how I answer this because I could just play the last matrix <laughs> and how he recreates it every time. And there's a new Neo and there's a, no, right. okay. Yeah. So we always say let Scripture interpret Scripture. Yeah. So for that scenario, we would have to go, okay, what insights do we have into heaven? Well, we do know that there was an angel named Lucifer who desired his throne to be above God's. Right. And he not only was cast out of heaven, but it says that he convinced or took a third of the angels with him. 
Now, when, where, how this happened, we have no idea. And anybody who tells you they know, they are lying, yeah. okay? They are lying. Jesus has this little hint that he says he saw him fall not like lightning. I think it happened during creation because he saw man being created and saw man being the highest form of creation and desired that. And then we get... So anyway, I don't think that that scenario would fit in the new heaven and new earth because, yeah. again, all justice has happened. Right. So all of Satan and the demons have been tossed into the lake of fire for all eternity. Yeah. So I don't want to say that we're just going to be robots. Right. Because I don't think that's the type of God our God is. Yeah. I think it's like asking Roman or Piper right now in my home, hey, you know, it's midnight or it's time for bed. Here's the front door. You can go anywhere you want to go. Yeah. And Piper's going to be like, whoa, I don't want to leave my mom and dad, <laughs> right. you know, type of a mindset. So I don't want to say we won't have free will. Right. Because there is clearly an example that Satan was cast out of heaven for exercising a fallen will. Yeah. And he took angels with him. I do, again, want to stress that this is the completion of yeah. all human desires. Yeah. That I don't even know there, there won't. I don't think there's going to be temptation. Yeah. Because temptation is viewed as a battle. Yeah. And in Revelation 21, Jesus literally says, "It is right. done. I am the Alpha and the Omega." Yeah. So there's mystery there. I yeah. can't say we won't have free will, but I can very confidently say that this is the fulfillment of all human desire. Yeah. So the beauty and the glory of God will be so captivating yes. and so fulfilling yeah. yes. of all of our heart's desires. We will have no desire to go anywhere but him. It's like a moth to light. It's, yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is, man. Yeah. It's very hard for us to comprehend that, I yeah. think. Yeah, that's. I, I remember being young and trying to contemplate eternity. Yeah. And there is, I, try, I almost said the finality of it, but there is no finality sure. other than that it exists. And yeah. as a child, I would try and like, grasp something that had no finish line or something, an end that would just continue to move and constantly, it almost was haunting. Like yeah. it would give me anxiety. Sure. And I remember a family member telling me like, well, like trying to ease my pain a little bit in that and be like, hey, uh, what's the thing that you love the most on this planet? And I was like, like your favorite food. I was like, I don't know, pizza. And he was like, imagine a row of pizzas that went forever that you could... <laughs> Just eat and eat and never sure. be full. And I was like, this isn't helping. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Have you guys ever, like, have you guys, this is this is not even in my list of questions. This is something that came up. Have you guys ever tried to sit down and contemplate eternity? And if so, like what came up for you? Yeah. I had a, I told you guys this, I had a fiery evangelist one time use the illustration and he said he was preaching in a rural environment. And so I think he understood his audience very well. And he said, imagine the earth is a solid steel ball yeah. to the core. I mean, this giant steel ball. And there's a snake, and that snake slithers around that globe once a year. Yeah. Okay, one time in a year. Eternity is long enough for that snake to wear out that steel ball. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, oh, okay. You know, that's a really... But again... There was like this, I don't know. I, it wasn't as positive. Well, and, yeah, well, he used a snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and, and, yeah. and that's why I said Sunday, 
to think about it in the inverse. Like yeah. Romans said, every vacation, I hate that things have to end. Yeah. So rather than trying to grasp the ending, think about it in the inverse of heaven is a place where good things never end. Yeah. So there's never that we've got to leave for vacation or we got, like I used to hate when Courtney and I were dating the Beatles or the Beach Boys singing this song. Um, I hate to say good night. I always hated to say good night to her and leave her house. And so like, we'll never have those moments anymore. Like that's a good way to think of eternity. I think, I don't know. How about you, Nick? Uh, Well, I got tickled when you talked about vacation in Roman. I hate it because I am older and I am from a generation of road trips were legit. Like people, (laughs) um, yes, they were forever, forever (laughs) long. And so when people, when you think of eternity, like for me, I remember sitting in the back of my mom's Pontiac Bonneville, which was a boat. Mm. with my two brothers driving from here to Orlando, Florida to visit my aunt in the summer, that car ride was impossible. It was forever. It never stopped. And that would be our, like, we would grumble, we would gripe and complain because we're never going to get there. We turned into whiny kids, but we were (laughs) the expectation of something, the beach, my aunt, the fun, all those good things was very, very tangible. We wanted that not this. So I think it's where we look at the eternal. That's yeah. good. That's um, really good. Heaven's not the car ride. Heaven's not the car ride. <laughs> yeah. Heaven's the the Disney, the beach, it's the good. mountains, the whatever, the Jesus. Yeah. And that's... Yeah. Amen. But no, I, I don't think adults even, like we try to explain, I tried to explain eternal and go into heaven to kids. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a lot older than a kid and I yeah. don't... Sure. Having that grasp of time is just, it's yeah. difficult because it never ends. Yeah. Yep. I said that to Jesse the other night. I was putting her to sleep and I was like, hey, baby, you know how much I love you? And she's like, um, a hundred. And I was like, a lot more than a hundred. Like, I love you. Do you know what infinity is? And she's like, no. I said, that's when you count and you just don't ever stop counting. And she was like, oh, that's a long time. <laughs> so that's, I think the Bible's language is really interesting. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning... God. Yeah. So like the Bible was forced to use a time stamp. Right. Mm-hmm. Because beginning is a is a time reference. Yeah. But then it just says God. It doesn't give any descriptive. Yeah. So it denotes that God was before the begin. Like, man, the Bible is just yeah. really cool. And that language is extremely crafty. Yeah. To say in the beginning, God. Yeah. Like well, that mean he was before? Yeah, it, it wasn't was, God like, was formed or God was created. It was God created. Yeah, yeah. in the yeah. beginning, God. Yeah. And then create. And you're like, wow, that's, oh, I don't know. I just God, love the Bible. God was and showed up to the beginning. Yeah, and then Revelation know. says yeah. who was and is and is to come. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. You know? And that's really good. Nick, you had something you mentioned a little bit earlier that you wanted to ask in terms of like seance and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. So, Ouija, like, are you oh, with yeah. So we've got me? a Ouija board no, here gross. in the studio. Any, I'm just kidding. Any Bone Thugs and Harmony fans out there? <laughs> oh, my friend Sarah would be right there with you, Jason. Yep. Um, but no, we are, we'll not go down that rabbit hole. Um, so yeah, one of the questions when it talks about like the eternal life and we live in a world where mediums are a real thing and sure. psychics yeah. and mystics and the overlap of certain things. Yeah. What does the Bible actually tell us about sure. those people? Do we see spirits? The, Do we... What is it? The Long Island medium? Is oh, that what there's it is? One, yeah, yeah, that's one. Of, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. So the Bible um, speaks very directly to this. And the Bible, whether it be the Old Testament or again in the New Testament, warns greatly about not 
playing with stuff like that. And here's why. So um, Leviticus 20, Deuteronomy 18, and then Ephesians chapter 6 about spiritual warfare. The Bible says when you tap into something like that, you can open a door that you can't close. Okay, so the Bible directly forbids God's people going to see psychics and to do all of that. Now, here's why. Not because, ooh, you're going to open a door that you can't close. That's a byproduct. Right. The problem is, is you're going outside of God's will to find out something. Yeah. Why, why do you need to go to a psychic? You have the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the people of God. Yeah. God says that is sufficient. And what you end up doing is you end up going around God to try to get something from God, and inevitably that didn't go well in Genesis chapter 3. No. <laughs> now, there is a very interesting scene in the book of Samuel where Saul, at the end of his life, he has gone buck wild. Okay, this guy, literally, it's the second to last scene in his life. Yeah. He goes, and he's going into battle. He's already got all these wives. God has removed his anointing from Saul, so he is just in destruction. And he goes to a seance and conjures up Samuel, the Old Testament prophet. Now, I don't think he con the psychic conjured up Samuel. I would have loved to have seen the psychic's face because right. I bet they would have been like, "This whoa, this actually worked." Like, <laughs> I think Whoopi Goldberg. I ghost. think God in his sovereign act, chose to intervene in that moment because he is God. And guess what? Samuel pronounces judgment on Saul. Yeah. And he says, guess what, buddy? You're dying this afternoon. And lo and behold, Saul dies. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against rulers, principalities, and authorities in the heavenly places. Guys, the Bible speaks of the seen realm and an unseen realm. Yeah. So number one, it is a grievous sin to go in, seek out something from the future or drum up something because what you are doing, number one, is you're doing something God forbids, but anytime God says don't, he says don't hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the point. So I would ask, why? Why would you want to do that? You have the word, like is the Bible really not good enough for you? Is the people of God, is the word of God? And man, listen, I think grief can make people do crazy things. Yeah. And so if that's the case, then grace and peace unto you. There's a lot of heartache there. There's brokenness there. I'm not speaking in judgment in that sense. But what I am saying is God's word speaks directly to this, and it's don't, don't hurt yourself, and essentially God's word, his spirit, and his people are enough in that sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that's that. Good. That's a good answer. Yeah. That's good, man. Well, the last part of your acronym was now. It mm. starts now. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get into a little bit next week on your E, enjoy. Cool. It's not boring. Um, but it starts now. Yes. We have in Luke chapter 17, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, because they want to know when this thing's going to happen, Right. He answered them. This is Jesus. He said, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, and there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Or as the KJV says, in you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, is really interesting. In you or in the midst of you. So we've, we've spent the greater part of 35 minutes and four seconds now talking about what is to come, mm -hmm. what we will experience. And Jesus is saying, on earth as it is in heaven, 
there are fragments of the kingdom here yeah. or the totality of the kingdom is here. Yeah. What does that look like for us to partner and to join in in the work of God's kingdom, not just to work and to get things done, but as the Westminster Confession of Faith, the first catechism says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. How do we participate in that now? And knowing that the sting of death will not be a transition for us, we will... Eternity begins now. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, number one, Jesus teaches us to pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When he hits the scene, he says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And so, you know, we believe, I say this often, Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's an offensive statement. Right. It's not defensive. It's not the church standing with shaken knees and hell's coming at it. Yeah. We are coming at hell. Yeah. So, man, like every time there's forgiveness... Every time there's an act of obedience, yeah. every time somebody prays, I just I I imagine almost like a floodlight in a dark room gets expanded and expanded and expanded yeah. and expanded until the whole room's lit up. Yeah. And we believe as Christians, and my end times theology is that when we paint a park bench or we tutor an after-school kid or we give money to this, that we are literally ushering in the return of Christ, yeah. mm-hmm. that we are preparing this place for his return. Yeah. And so I think it's massively important to understand that. Also, the Celtics were really cool mystics and stuff like this, mm-hmm. but they had a statement that they called, it was called a thin place. Yeah. And a thin place was a moment or a place where you couldn't tell the difference between heaven and earth. Yeah. Um, a baby being born a wedding, a moment with your kid. Uh, I I don't know. Those moments that make us feel small. The Celtics called that a thin worship, like in a worship gathering and hearing the whole church. And just those are thin moments. And I think those are moments where our mind and our heart align with the kingdom of God in such a way that we become aware for a second. It's like... And then it's gone again. I mean, yeah. I, I just think those are moments that we don't need to take for granted. That's the yeah. now aspect of it. Yeah. And I said Sunday, this is not about getting you into heaven. Right. It's about getting heaven into you. Right. That can happen now in yeah. the here and now, man. This escapist theology of, you know, like I, I remember the gospel being presented like, you don't want to, your parents are going to heaven. Right. Do you want to go to heaven with him or do you want to go to hell? Right. Like, oh, uh, oh mom, right, yeah. you know, like yeah. this manipulation stuff. But like, I think the reason why we don't get like, and Jesus teaches in abstract formats of this is because I, I wonder if God knew the idol, well, he does, the idolatry of the human heart. It would, and it would almost create an escapist mentality yeah. in that sense. But yeah, man, it's now. It happens now. No, that's good. That's good. Nick, you got anything else on your list over there? Um, I'm looking through it right yeah. now. <laughs> looking through it? Well, yeah, I mean, well read just, all of it. Well, no, there was just <laughs> some, continuing list. some quotes and some things that people were asking, you know, when it yeah. comes to heaven. Um, from the parents, when trying to describe heaven mm. to a kid. Yeah, that was the gist. That's why I came up with the acronym. I someday. loved that. Yeah. Um, we say yes to things more than we say no. Mm. We want to encourage Jesus sure. always. When they ask the things and say the person, and this is where this comes from, they don't know if the person who has passed knew Christ. How do we answer those to our kids? 
Like mm-hmm. what would be the, I know how I would answer this person, but. Give me want, the specific question again. One more time. Um, Billy's grandpa died. Okay. He did not know Jesus. Yeah. Billy's asking if he'll see Jesus in heaven. I don't want to lie to Billy. Sure. But I also don't want to mislead because I don't want repercussions down the road of him questioning yeah. his trust in me, his trust sure. in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. So I think the most important thing is to teach Billy that God is good. God is good. Keep it simple. God is a good father who who loves his children and loves his creation. Um, I would I would say if Billy keeps pressing, is grandpa gonna be in heaven? Is grandpa gonna be in heaven? I would just tell Billy. Billy, um, Jesus is in heaven. We want to see Jesus in heaven. I would try to, to the best of the abilities, to focus heaven being about Jesus rather than about grandpa. But if Billy keeps pressing, I would say, hey, let's study this. Let's put this a little bit on the Mm -hmm. back burner. I know this is important to you, but there's also some really big complicated things here. And right now I want you to understand that God is good that God is in heaven, Jesus is in heaven, and for those of us who love Jesus, when we die, we go to be with Jesus. Yeah. I would keep it at that. I, I think in no way, shape, or form can you try to teach Billy. I, I, I just don't think that's appropriate. And, no, I I, think- and I might get crucified for that answer, but I would I would really love to hear the counter argument yeah, to that, say, please. I, oh, here I, they come from the door. There's right. the beam. Yeah, yeah I'm right. just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to go. That. And then on the flip side, when I want to, without scaring my child, and I want to tell them how great Jesus is, I know I need to focus there. But when they ask deep questions of mm-hmm. hell, yeah, how do I, do I, and I think you answered it by focusing back on Jesus. Yeah. I don't want to guilt sure. them into Jesus. Yeah. I don't want to scare them yeah. from hell, but I want to make it age appropriate. Yeah, yeah sure. Tyler, yours are little. Jason, y'all's are little. Yeah. I know I've got bigger kids, so yeah. these questions I'm past this. What I mean, this is guys? how I've described it to Piper and to Andy is I took them to our front door and I showed them the lock that we have on our front door. And I said, Who am I? And they said, You're dad. And I said, Who are you? They said, I'm Andy Grace and I'm Piper. I say, what does dad love you? And they say, yes. One of the reasons dad loves you is I have a lock on that door. And so it protects us at night. We keep people out that we don't want in our house that could possibly hurt us. That, that's about as much as you could grasp with hell. Mm-hmm. God is a loving father. God protects his children against evil. I would use very general terms. Evil, suffering, sin, things that can hurt us. God has us in heaven to protect us from those things. And ultimately, in the end, God is going to put those things, again, general terms, suffering, sin, evil, in hell, and leave it at that. That's where we've kept it. So yeah, that's good. Well, our kids, Jesse's not even five yet, so we haven't even, we haven't gotten into that with her right now. She's still trying to grasp the idea of something that... Goodness, that is that, that is constantly good. Yeah, yep. is never ending good. Um, I mean, I, I know forever is a concept that we can't even grasp. Even to this day, I can still kind of replay that thought in my head when I was a kid. But for our kids, we we try to constantly remind them on the same note as Jason and Courtney do with their kids that we love them. We would do anything for them, and our goal is to 
love them well, to keep them safe, and to show them the love of Jesus by the way that we interact with them. Yeah, I would so. just I, I would constantly try to stress the goodness of God, and and going back to the idea about heaven and and Billy, um, this Billy man, he's he's become quite the kid. Billy is on a, this podcast. Billy's a kid. Billy the kid. I I would also have Billy look for heaven on earth. Yeah. Mm. You know, I think as adults, we forget to do that. Yeah, but yeah, there's that wonder, man. There's that mm-hmm. sense of teaching Billy about the thin place. And I mean, mm-hmm. we teach our kids like, man, why is this ice cream good? Why, why do right. we even have taste buds? How did God, why did God want me to taste the flavor of mama's cookie dough Baskin Robbins ice cream? Yeah. Because he's good. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And so that's to bubble up and to go, God, you are so good that I could enjoy something like this. Yeah. And Romans 1 teaches that the antithesis of sin is to go, more ice cream for me yeah. because I love the taste of And let that joy get dispelled on ourselves yeah. Yeah. and not be grateful for that. That's like the ultimate sin in that sense. So again, general terms, God is good loving father, evil, sin, suffering, bad, those types of things. Yeah. Gotcha. I yeah. think those are great answers. Good. That's good. That's good. good. Well, if you do you guys have anything else you want to add or move in? I'm going to read from Revelation 22 to kind of close us out in our chat here. Oh, love it, man. Yeah. All yeah. right, sweet. Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. Mm. The leaves on the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp, or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Mm. Man, that's, man, that's good. good news. That's really good. good. Yeah, that's really, really good news. Let them know what we got coming up, Tyler. Man, we've got, well, I'm preaching next Sunday. Yeah, that'll you be, are. That'll be something. Yeah, uh, you and are. Then, and then we've got our Good Friday service on April, is that 15th? April yep, 15th? April 15th. <laughs> April 15th uh, from noon to 1.30. Come on out to the chapel at Westside. Yep. We're, we're asking um, if, that you fast from lunch that day, uh, just in, in sort of reflection and meditation, and then come to the church and engage with us in our Good Friday service where we reflect on the cost of our sin and the death of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and we will actually come in in silence. Uh, we'll maybe sing a song together. Uh, we'll hear a, a short sermon, and then we will go through a time of prayer, and then we will leave in silence. And so uh, that's going to be a good time, a sad time, sorrowful time, in preparation for Easter Woo-hoo! Sunday. April 17th. April 17th at the Rogers Theater. Historic Man, Rogers historic Theater. Rogers Theater. Last year, we took up an offering, and then the church matched it, and we just gave it to the Rogers, man. Yeah, we did. We awesome. gave it to them. They got a new sound system and stuff this year, yep. so it's going to be bumping in there on Sunday, the yes. 17th. That's going to be a blast. We've got that coming up. We've also got baptism sign-ups. Yeah, uh, man, and, child dedications, yep, all kinds Mother's of stuff, Mother's Day, man. all that gravy is coming. If anybody wants any more information about Easter at the Rogers, you can go to our Facebook event page. Yeah. Literally go to your Facebook 
Facebook in the search bar, type in Easter at the, and it will probably pop up and you'll see Easter at the Rogers, remember the resurrection. You can get all the info. You can even reserve, say that you're going, incredible stuff. So be sure to check that out. That'll be awesome. That'll be great. It'll be a great time. Kids kids sign kids are doing something special on Easter Sunday. They're going to open us up. You want to come and see, that's all we're saying. You're not getting any more information on that. Awesome. Well, that's it from us today, unless we have anything else. Nope. No. All right. Good deal. Well, we love you guys. Thanks for listening in. Westsidepb.org. If you want to know more about us as a church, you can find us on Facebook Live at Sunday on Sundays at 10 a.m. or worship with us in our in-house gathering, 2807 Jan- Shannon Drive in Poplar Bluff. We love you guys. Thanks again, and may everything we say and do be all about Jesus. Amen. Toodles. Toodles.